Hey, what's going on? Hey, not a lot. How are you doing today, Big John? Oh, it's another day in paradise, right? Yeah. You know what's funny? Um, so I hit Mike up to get your contact info. And I was like, hey, you know, what's Big John's contact info so I can have him on? I only, uh, this is the first time when I got your phone number that I'd seen your last name. Oh, okay. <laughs> basically where I'm going with that. So that's okay. Well, we go through life sometimes just not knowing people's last names, man. It happens. Yeah. I mean, literally every, because I remember the first time that we met, I was training for worlds or pans or something and you were a purple belt and i was a purple belt and we rolled one day and you totally annihilated my knee shield and i was like who is this guy oh my gosh just an old man that's all i am just an old man you know with some with some cool martial arts stories is is what i hear you know uh, i mean I'm, i mean i've been around been seen a little bit you know just just like anybody anybody aging that's been doing this for a while yeah, you know, I will say um, some of the stuff I wanted to hear your take on are things I repeatedly have gotten into since I've become involved. Things, um, things and people, JKD concepts. Ooh. I've been watching tons of old Inasano instructionals. Uh, I bought a couple instructionals from his website. Uh, but also, um, I recently got a login to Chai, uh, to yeah. World Thai Boxing so, Man, I love Greg Nelson. I mean, there's just so many of these guys that are interconnected. And I, I know that you've had, you know, trained with some of these people. So, uh, you know, I thought we could talk about some of that. Sure, whatever you want. You hit me up and we'll talk about it. You tell me what you want to hear. Well, first off, like this is, I do a bunch of different podcasts, but obviously this is the martial arts one. Gotcha. Um, you know, the question I ask pretty much anybody that, it pretty much gets the ball rolling down this this uh, lane is how did you get involved? Like, when did you first start getting involved with martial arts and how did that kind of start plugging you into some of these people? So, I mean, I think I was a late bloomer for lack of a better word. I mean, I, I joined the Air Force in 1988. I really didn't get involved in martial arts till probably, um, Probably let's just say uh, from 1993, I was in Germany. So from 93 to 96, 97, I was in Montana. And that's really where I kind of got started. There was another kid um, who was a bit younger than me, quite a bit younger than me. Uh, so his name is Jerry Smith, uh, short, stocky, um, Japanese kid, actually Japanese Irish, I believe. Um, but his dad was a SEAL team member uh, back in the day. Um, so kind of started doing and got hooked up with Jerry. We trained, he trained me, um, went down the Paul Vunak, uh, route. I've been watching, I've been watching some old Paul Vunak stuff. I was, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So, yeah. So we started with that and then went out to California and then started my, um, apprenticeship, if you will, up to a full instructor at the end of that time frame, uh, underneath Paul. But also in the mix, we found an old Japanese guy in Great Falls, Montana. His name was Shigeki Unamoto. Um, he would be, I would call him like the equivalent to a mixed martial artist in the traditional sense. Uh, you know, born and raised in Japan, trained in Japan, martial arts institute, whatever the college is. Um, and I can't remember all his accolades, but, you know, he was like um, uh, a sixth in judo and then 
fourth or something in Hapkido and then Taekwondo and had a handful of guys who fought with Sabaki challenges early years. He was just kind of this gem that was kind of located in Montana, just kind of out of the blue. So we trained um, basically a, a Sabaki style kind of karate with him and judo. So I was kind of doing both of those at the same time while I was in Montana. So that kind of how I kind of got into martial arts, kind of stumbled into it accidentally. And then by meeting Vu, I mean, that kind of led to some other things. And then, you know, training at the Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu Club when it first opened up, um, kind of, and there you go, here I am. And there's more. I mean, obviously, I met more people along the road and became, I think I was more of a, a luck of chance, maybe, or a bit of chance. I just happened to be able to train with or be underneath some of the top guys in the world at that current time frame. Yeah, you know, I I will say I, I'm quite interested. I've been watching a bunch of um, Inasano stuff, as I mentioned, but there is – I follow Vunak on social media and – have hopped on his website a time or two and watched his whole instructionals and uh, it's super interesting stuff. And that's like this, me as a historian of this information also, um, it, as soon as you said Navy SEALs and stuff you're talking about, I was like, I wonder if he knows Paul Vunak and then you bring it up. So, yeah. I mean, how, how, um, how many years did you train in his, what is his system called by progressive fighting systems? Progressive fighting systems. I think, I mean, so from probably once I got back into the States in uh, 98, uh, probably for at least four or five years, I was wondering boo and, but, and, and continue to train. You know, I will say probably you said 98, yeah, and I, and I kind of string things along by assignments in, in the military because I was in Germany from 1993. Then when I got back yeah. um, there, I was in Montana, started down that path in Montana, probably say maybe 95, 96 time frame, 94. Mm -hmm. It started with Vu then and that carried through to the late 90s, maybe 98, yeah. 97, yeah, somewhere in there. You know, I, a lot of the stuff I've I've seen from him is is probably late '80s, early '90s, and I've really wondered, and that's really all I've seen from him. So I started following him recently on social media, but I thought about trying to contact him and get him on the podcast because I've wondered what I've wondered how he has evolved his game because I feel like he, based off how he communicates, I feel like he probably has, and I'm interested um, in how he's kept things going. You know. I mean, he's pretty innovative. If you go back in time when I was still doing stuff with Guru and Asano, um, you know, some of the sideline conversations about Vu or whatever at, at that time, especially he's one of the best guys who combined um, Filipino martial arts in, in Jun Fan and JKD into kind of a single seamless, pretty direct kind of fighting system. It was mm -hmm. pretty well stripped down, but, but, but well executed. I mean, uh, I mean, one time I was messing with him had my guys come out and we were doing some stuff and he didn't like what I was doing. And we sparred a little bit, if you want to call it that. And I mean, he literally beat me like right out of a room. I mean, the guy opened the door around like second floor aerobics room. And he, when he laid into me, when he finally entered laid into me, I mean, I was just going backwards and the guy opened the door and I kind of went outside and I think that's where we ended it. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's terrifying and, and utterly impressive when you're in the middle of it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Was it just trying, you know, I know that he is, I guess, 
I'm not a hundred percent sure of how about the in workings of how the instructors work, but he's, he's a full instructor and directly underneath guru and Asano. Is that correct? I don't know if he's still underneath guru, but I mean, he's, he's in that lineage. Yeah. He was a full in the early years too. I mean, like 77, so. I think is when I saw he started training. But, yeah. And then he was even training with the Gracie's very early on when they hit the, um, the United States as well. Um, yeah. Taking privates and doing stuff with them. If I remember correctly. Um, it's a lot of years ago. I'm 52 now, so I was a bit of a younger man then. But um, but yeah, so that was kind of my my first introduction, if you will, into like progressive systems or an asymmetrical type of system, for lack of a better word. And so you've trained a lot with Guru Inasano over the years um, as well. Yeah. So basically, what happened is when I left uh, Montana, um, I ended up in um, Nebraska and Omaha. So to kind of put this together, I kind of went to a school that was there was another kind of JKD type school and they did supposedly grappling, but it was mostly Larry Hart sells kind of stuff uh, mixed with JKD and June Fawn. Um, that guy's was underneath Terry Gibson, the late Terry Gibson. Out of Tulsa, yeah. Home, right? So um, when Terry passed, then the owner of the school kind of fell underneath Mark McFan. That's how I met Mark. So then uh, through Mark and in Mark's program, who and, and Mr. McFan is, you know, one of my best friends in the world today, him and his family are, are very close to me. Um, but started down that path. And that's how I got introduced into uh, Chai Inosanto and uh, Dr. Ma Wang Ji training with, with those guys, the International Bondo Association for a wee bit. I mean, it was nothing special. We just did some training with those guys, but, but that's how I started on the other, the other paths, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's such, I, okay. So I remember when Caleb had uh, Sean Shurkin, did you go to that seminar? No, but I know, um, but I did not. So um, that was, a, when was that? How long ago was that? Oh man, probably 2012. This might yeah. have been. And, and, you know, Sean is, is a, is a product of, of Nelson, right? Great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So funny, funny story about that. Like, first of all, I now have Greg Nelson's clinch volumes one through five. Okay. Yeah. Which is actually one. a beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's, but okay. So I remember being broke in college, not being able to afford it, but like watching him on YouTube all the time. And at this time when shirt comes in, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really getting into Nelson at that time. And like, I can't afford his DVDs because I'm like a broke college student that owns a martial arts gym and works at the history department. But I remember being like standing next to McFan. And I think Rodney Hitchcock was there. It's like some JKD guys came out and McFan was like, hey, how's it, Greg? And I was like, guys, he's talking about Greg Nelson, you know, the clinch yeah. guy. But uh, man, what a that guy has such an amazing story. I just found out somewhat recently that he had survived cancer twice. Well, at the time too, he, I mean, had a form of cancer that nobody had ever survived from. I can't remember which one it was, but I mean, every day he was alive was another milestone in, in the medical profession uh, on how to deal with, with his illness. Um, one of my old students who I think has kind of surpassed me somewhat to a certain extent is a guy named Aaron Cerrone who runs Mid-American Martial Arts. Um, so I taught him base there when I left, everything kind of got turned over to Aaron and Aaron took it off base and, and 
has put together a remarkable establishment with great people, um, great coaches. Um, and actually, he's one of Chai's favorites now. I mean, Aaron is is uh, pretty slick. But back in the day, when we used to bring Eric in, and a couple times brought Eric and um, Greg in, uh, one of the times that Greg came in was he was about about eighty percent on the recovery after the uh, dealing with the cancer. Uh, even then, I mean, the guy was, I mean, a trooper. I mean, you're, you're talking probably about the nicest, gentlest, most spiritual, clean living man. I mean, you can never probably come across and, you know, here he is fighting through this. So, yeah. yeah. I know he said one was on his, uh, like, <clears throat> maybe a tumor on his sciatic nerve or pressing against his sciatic nerve, which I had never heard of. And I can yeah. imagine, I mean, if you've ever had any sciatic nerve issues, what how terrible that would be <laughs> well yeah even to the point where when when we had him this time um as, also as going up into we went up to into minnesota to train at his school for a seminar as well a couple times but um at this time back in omaha i mean he had no real feeling like in his right foot his right leg um you know so when he walked he had a cane at that time you know and then you look at him today and i mean it's pretty insane Man, I was so inspired by the videos he was putting out of him just like training at his house when COVID first started. I was just like, and I was like doing him and Daniel O'Brien. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, he's a a Johnny Lee Smith guy, um, which is this law enforcement jujitsu black belt that Caleb knows. But they were putting out some when COVID first started, when Jim was shut down, they were putting out these training videos. And I was just like, Yes. And I was ripping them off, man. I was doing the same workouts or we'd have open mats or I'd train with people, Zoom, Zoom classes. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's always been a big inspiration though. And even more so, the more I found out about him is that, you know, his, his life story. And luckily I've found out some of that on a podcast. This He's been doing podcasts during uh, the last year or so. Yeah. It's funny when you start sitting down and you chat which i found i mean when, in the in the moment when you're younger you don't really realize it but as you get older that when you're talking to these people who at the basically the start of the sport for lack of a better word um or the transition where where non-traditional martial arts became traditional or mainstream um the evolution and part of the history that they were in and still are in and what they've seen what they've gone through um is pretty remarkable actually um and sometimes we just we we can learn more from just listening than we ever do from actually doing. Sometimes, so I mean, we, we, wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't be where we are today, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, particularly some of these names that we've talked about already. You know, uh, Inasano, Chai, uh, Mark McFan in Arkansas. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Vunak. Those are some of the most, uh, I'm inspired by some, those martial artists the most, you know? So what, do you remember what it was like or, or where, when you trained with Chai for the first time? Uh, I think the first time I was a seminar in Tulsa. I mean, I went with Mark and, and, um, uh, and, and his, a lot of us from uh, this part of Arkansas. I think we were stationed up in Nebraska still um, and training with Mark via that route. And uh, we went down to Chai and, don't ask me what year that was. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, but yeah, um, it was pretty amazing. I mean, you look at a guy, I mean, his child can be terrifying. Um, uh, and we were still, I mean, the, the seminars were still pretty brutal. 
I mean, they were still pretty rough and, and watching people test and um, in, in the militaristic manner in which they were run. Um, it was pretty no nonsense, which was kind of refreshing though too. It was kind of cool that, that Grat, that's one reason why I gravitated towards it. And, and he's just, a, he's a great guy. I mean, he's fun to talk to as well. Try is, try is, a, is a treat, trust me. I was watch so I've been watching his old seminars from like 93, you know, oh, yeah. um, but there's one and it may have been a part of a testing or something. I haven't even finished the whole seminar because it's like three hour and a half videos or something. Right. Probably. But he was making all of these individual guys do just double rear leg, double lead leg, double rear leg, double lead leg forever, probably five minutes each. And then he was like teeping them and stuff, keeping them real honest. Oh yeah, I mean, we I can remember on a whistle we would I don't know did left switch kick for about twenty minutes before we even switched, you know, because he thought that we needed to do that. I mean, obviously we thought we did need to do it because otherwise we wouldn't have done it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's got a great way of teaching and he's got a, um, a good approach and he's, he is he's a good hearted person as well. Um, if you go back to his lineage, I mean, he you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was. Guru Dan's, I think, first real tie boxing coach. Yes, that's – I was going to ask you what you knew about that connection because I know – and I know that Chai um, – and I, I assume that um, he's trained some, in some JKD with Inasano as well, like it's been a two-way street for him. But no, I, I'm I sure there has been. I'm not, I'm, I'm not too savvy on how, how <clears throat> give or take the relationship was, um, but I'm sure there was some exchange of ideas, as there would be. I mean, you get two kind of – um, profound minds in a room together that there's going to be an exchange of ideas and concepts um, and a little road testing as well from time to time. So. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've heard Inasano say this and, you know, I could be making some false. So I've watched a lot of what Inasano's done over the years with just June fan kickboxing. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Vunak has a couple of instructionals out over that. And I've seen he's like in things like countering kicks, I've seen a lot of similarities with, things that I've seen Chai show, you mm -hmm. know? And, but it's like, you know, Sano's the first guy I heard kind of make the point of like, look at this martial art over here, this Wing Chun over here, and look at this, they didn't have any interaction, and they're going on at these two different times, and unbeknownst to each other. And that's, that's common as well, you know? Um, there's only so many ways <clears throat> to counter a kick, I suppose, and there's going to be, everybody's going to be doing similar ways for sure. Well, yeah, you can you can look at, I mean, one thing Guru does very well um, through history, because I think he was a history teacher and we taught high school going back in time. Um, so the way he, he um, collects data, correlates the data in a chronological fashion, um, and then expresses it to his students is, is pretty phenomenal. So if you look at just, you know, the geopolitical setup and how the world was at certain times, um, certain years, I'm, talking, I'm going back way in time, that's why you see similarities in certain systems across uh, different continents now, um, especially in the fighting arts. When you start talking weaponry as an example, um, and you start to understand the difference between why is this a short sword, a long sword? Why did they fight in this, this style versus this style? Um, and then you start talking about you know, beliefs of religion, that, how that influences the fighting arts uh, as well. So, I mean, yeah, you get kind of this, um, instead of it being this, um, this really drilled down thing you're doing, you realize you're a part of something much bigger. And it's just, a, I look at like a rung of an umbrella, right? This is just a rung, but it all goes to the center of the umbrella where it pops open. So 
when you start realizing how everything kind of gravitates towards the center in some form or fashion, it becomes kind of a little bit mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so how, how long have you been, um, hooked up with McFan? How, how, I mean, I've, I've been around him a couple of times. I've never had a chance to train with him. Um, I've, uh, I've known Mark, let's just say for, for argument's sake, since probably 98. So as, as student instructor, um, as a start, um, and then, uh, close friends and I would consider family. So, um, you know, kind of transcended the, the martial arts system and went into a more personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I, just in researching all this stuff, like looking at, looking for JKD information online the whole time I've been involved. Um, I've seen, he has some old tapes that are out there on YouTube of him doing like who bud against up kicks mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Stuff that I've seen maybe nowhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like innovative, what I was saying. And maybe that's a common thing in those circles, but I hadn't Well, seen I think it is. I mean, if you go back, I mean, that the circle was, it was a very tight circle of a lot of people. I mean, in that group of, you know, Mark and Terry Gibson, Craig Nelson, Eric Poulsen, um, uh, and we can start stepping down to even some other people that are, that have been around a long time that have been with Guru for 20, 30 plus years, 40 years. So, just the essence of that is that those were all free thinkers and pretty innovative. The one thing that's probably key is I think most people started out in some sort of traditional martial art in some form or fashion, uh, whether it was judo or karate or Wing Chun or, you know, Hapkido. Um, if you look at, I think even Guru, obviously was learning Kali in, in, in the Screama stuff when he was younger based off of where his family origins and where they lived in California, you know, but was an Ed Parker student as well you know <clears throat> so it's pretty crazy you know how much <clears throat> excuse me how much have you done with uh stick and knife filipino stuff over the years 20 as long as i've been training probably that long so, so let's just say since 98 or 99 um now over the last x number of years or <clears throat> 10 years or more or probably 15 years, I kind of, just, I, I didn't gravitate away. I just kind of transitioned and I started to focus more on grappling and jujitsu. Um, I mean, one of my true, one of my first loves was well, actually Kali. I really enjoyed it. I mean, but being in the military and stuff, it, it got kind of difficult to kind of maintain all these instructorships and all my training uh, with these people. Um, and at some point, as I gained rank in the military, then my time to, to be a part or be a way to do stuff became a little more difficult. Family, kids, you know, pick with something. So I really started to focus mostly on the, the jiu-jitsu aspect of it. And, and I think I kept tie boxing up for a while. Then I kind of had to get away from that from a little bit as well. Um, but I do gravitate back and forth periodically. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's something I've thought about a lot. It's like, I, I want to study, I study those arts regularly and have <clears throat> ever since I've been involved, but it's like to, to go to camps and like what you're saying for, for me as a school owner and teaching at the college and do, you know, already maintaining relationships, it would be a, a struggle for sure. Well, it becomes hard, I think. And, and, and I think when we're younger, I think for a lot of us, it's, it's the, it's the fear of missing out. 
So the fear of missing out drives us to, to load up our training schedule to a certain extent out of ignorance. And I think that as we get older, uh, I think we can tend to be a bit more selective in how we do it. But if you learn the principles of things early on, I don't think you've ever left it. So I may not do JKD or June Fawn all the time. And very rarely, to be honest with you at this point, but I can still trap. I understand the principles. Uh, I can still execute things. Um, Mark and I joke sometimes because he'll say something to me or if we ever are training for like at a camp or something and I just don't remember what that is. And he'll show it. And go, oh, I remember that now. And just don't remember what it was called. Uh, but I think that <clears throat> you start to take the essence of those things. And I think that I use June Fawn or JKD as an example. That, that gives you a structure on how you analyze your fighting arts and your systems for the rest of your life. What's functional versus non-functional? And when is something non-functional? Yeah. Do you do, it, do you do it once and go, oh, this is horrible. I'm never doing that shit again. Or do you go, uh, well, until I repped it 10,000 times or a thousand times, can I, then do I deem it not worthy or doesn't fit my body type or my style or whatever, or my athleticism. So, um, again, I think it just gives you that framework, which is, which is instrumental. And one thing I, um, have found interesting is how, uh, Bruce Lee referred to a round style kick is, uh, the Altec or now tech is a hook mm -hmm. kick, you know, but like his, I've, I've made similar interpretations myself. I'm like, what's well, on the same line. If I throw it here, a shovel hook, like an upward, so, but it, I've always found that was interesting. I love just getting into the towel. Mike gave me my very first copy of the towel yeah. and it, I've cracked it open. It's in the front seat of my car right now. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I mean, if you look at, I mean, and then I, you know, even like when I teach now, if I say go cross body, people will look at me like, or, you know, go side, you know, all that side mount or you know, whatever. So you start, you know, dating yourself, I guess, by how we refer to things, you know, uh, we used to, you know, head and arm choke where you pass the arm over. That's, you know, we used to call a scarf hold. Well, now it's head and arm choke. Well, then it becomes something else. Um, everybody's got a fancy name for it, but, um, but you're right. I mean, if it comes on the same line as a hook, why wouldn't it be a hook kick? Yeah. Because it, it can change elevations, whether it goes low or high, it's still a hook kick. It's coming from that line of attack. So, I think Mike actually hit you up with like some obscure question I had and how something was categorized in the towel the other day about uh, a high, medium, low on the jab. Yeah. Like what targeting range that was. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, it's, and it's funny. It's like anything you can read something in black and white and then really it's up to the individual to interpret it. And sometimes interpretations are given to us because we're told by people above us that no, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, but then as time goes on, maybe you go like, mm, doesn't make sense. Maybe I think it's this, maybe but as long it's, as maybe it's both, maybe it is. I mean, maybe it's a hybrid at the end, the end of the day, who's to say what is, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a complete wrong answer. There might be a better answer in that instance, you know, um, but you know, what do you class at some point, a low jab, it doesn't, if it's below the crotch, then really it's not hitting anything. So where, where are you targeting as an example? So yeah, that's how I look at it. Sometimes I look at things too simplistic and it gets me in trouble, but yeah, you know, the only, I, I was thinking that maybe that he could have been referring to the thigh, but I use that, but only when I'm like MMA sparring, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm wanting to maybe threaten touching that leg or something, remember Benson Henderson doing that against yeah. uh, Nate Diaz, I believe it was. Yeah. Cause you can do that. I mean, you can look at it. I mean, 
in, in, an, in an MA format to, to, to strike a leg that low is, is it's a gamble uh, because that means your head dips. Um, so you're subject to, you know, a knee or, or a short round kick to the head that doesn't have to go very high. Um, sometimes I looked at a, at a low jab. It's like the belly button, you know, um, for lack of a better word. I looked at the, the medium or cent jab as kind of like the solar plexus or right in the middle of the chest, just trying to put it somewhere. And then a high jab is going to be, you know, to the head, somewhere in the facial area. And that's kind of how I kind of categorized it. Um, I'm sure somebody will go, that's wrong, but that's okay. No, I will say, uh, right, it's around the same time I you answered that question, I heard Vunak say the same thing. He, he, he like, made these boxes on his body, yeah. and he was like, this is this here, and this is this here, and I made love. But that's, man, that's one thing. I love how those guys categorize everything, whether it's knife, whether it's stick or kickboxing, I really like the way it's put together. It's logical. It's rational, you know? Well, and, and, and a lot of these were born out of um, systems that were martial, true martial um, systems, meaning warlike. So things had to be categorized simplistically. I mean, Kali, you can lose your mind. It can be as simple as um, basic math. Two plus two is four. And it can be as troublesome as calculus, uh, if you let it be. But if you look at the root of it, everything was simplistic. If you look at a lot of movement techniques, and if you're going to execute them in a combat situation, like they were, you know, no more than three moves. You know, this is one, two, three, because of anything more than that, the brain has a hard time when it's stressed to, to continue on for a lot of people. So I think where they were born from, this is just John's point of view, and where they transition to it was easy to correlate because they had to be easy to explain and easy to execute and teach um and easy to execute is is kind of a um probably not the best phrase because none of it was easy um but efficient would probably be better than easy mm-hmm. yeah so um did, what what exactly was it that kind of led you to training at Inferno? How long have you been since since you made that transition to doing more jujitsu? Like how long has that been now? Oh, uh, like what's, so? What's the, the rephrase the question again? So how long is it? You, you talked Inferno? about yeah, and you talked about kind of transitioning more, not necessarily away from this stuff, but you know, doing more jujitsu, more grappling. Uh, and I know that um, I can't remember when you first started training Inferno, but like, when did all that kind of coalesce? Well, uh, Inferno really probably around 2014 um, when I retired from the Air Force. So um, I took a job down in Tampa uh, for a wee bit uh, working at uh, McDill Air Force Base. Um, And that was my second time. And I was training with um, Rob Kahn prior to me retiring. And then when I was down there, who was another pivotal person in my development. And a friend, a good friend. and when I moved up here, when I say up here to Northwest Arkansas, uh, you know, like any other guy who trains, like, well, I got to find a place to hang my hat, I guess. And, um, and just my pure luck um, or accident or however you want to say it, you know, I finally got, you know, Mark wasn't doing a bunch of stuff. Mark was doing some stuff at somewhere else up here. I was looking for some different things and, you know, picked up the phone, made a phone call and came in and then realized, oh, it's these guys that I knew when they were teenagers. 
So, and now they got these schools and, and, and they're truly blessed. They've, they've, they've worked hard and look at where they're at today. Uh, my hat's off to them. And I just kind of, kind of folded in and I'm just kind of the, one of the old guys who's been around a bit, who, who does whatever they want me to do as far as I teach or whatever, or hang out, but um, share ideas. And they've been, and, and also been pivotal in, in, in my, ju my gi jujitsu as, as, as I, as I've gotten better with it over the years. Um, so it was a, basically a give and take for the most part, but purely by luck and accident did I stumble across the young lads. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's Mike and Caleb are how I heard about JKD, how I heard about McFan. you know, McFan was supposed to teach a seminar at, uh, Clarksville Inferno when I was training there in like 07 or something, and he mm -hmm. broke his toe. So he had to, re I don't think it ended up getting rescheduled for some reason. Caleb might've moved to Bentonville or something, you know, but um, it was around that time period. But then he taught at this event we used to have called the winter camp at Mount magazine. Mm -hmm. And he taught a, blade, a knife seminar with like a live blade. He's doing like live blade disarms or something, mm -hmm. but I was opening my very first location and I missed that seminar too, man. He's a he's a, a gem that people don't realize is here. Um, we have generations that look for the names that they see on YouTube or what they see on fight nights and whatever. Um, and there's, you know, it's the Michael Jordan kind of thought for everyone that makes it. There's hundreds of people that are just phenomenal guys. Uh, but because they don't step into the ring doesn't mean they're any less or more combative or not a good fighter. Uh, and, the, and the knowledge that's in Mark's head is tremendous just utterly tremendous and, and and he's an excellent teacher um and he likes to get in a bit of mischief as well um but you know back in the day i can remember training and you know down uh on by the college when it was an old gas station which has all been gentrified now it's all been built up but you know that's where we you know beat the crap out of each other i mean literally i mean most you know the school of hard knocks in the early years, right? Everything was tested. The way we tested it was you, you actually tested it and then you would lick your wounds and assess it and go from there. Not necessarily bright in how it was done, but it was nonetheless, it was, it was a, it was a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, th this has been uh, an awesome conversation. Like I, I, I kind of just a while back because of this, I've been in a little bit of a rabbit hole with some of this stuff. I was like, man, I need to, I need to have like a series of people on that have backgrounds in this stuff. You know, we have trained extensively with Chai and uh, have been been around these ideas that can, you know, convey some of the some of the the background, some of the people, and what what that's like. So. Awesome. No, it's cool. I mean, you don't sometimes realize it until you think about it. You talk to somebody else. I mean, you know, how lucky or fortunate we are. I mean, again, I was, you know, I was under Eric Polson, trained with him, you know, for many, many years. Um, and then Rob Kahn out of Tampa, um, um, you know, Mark Lehman in Vegas with the guys in Vegas. I was there oh, over wow. two years. So I was at that school um, where I think I truly kind of blossomed as a Nogi grappler. Um, to that much higher, that higher level that I was there. What was the name of that school? Cobra Kai? Cobra Kai, yep. <laughs> Excellent. And you got Sonny and Simu running now, I believe, actually. You know, I believe he is to name 93 guard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and then also, so, uh, okay, so you do you know who Will Walker is? Uh, I know the name. 
he was under Rodney forever. Rodney Hitchcock, Ted Wong guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, he and I, he's been on the podcast once for he's a pro fighter. He trains with Brian Foster in Fort Smith. Okay. We're doing a series of podcasts over all the ultimate fighters, right? Uh-huh. So we're doing the first three seasons, uh, but he's the jujitsu coach on the first two seasons. Uh, it may be after that. I can't remember. I'm only on season two right now. Gotcha. So I'm just wrapping it up. But Mark Lehman, yeah, that's a that's a blast from the past. I, I was just wondering, like, well, I wonder what that guy's been up to. No, uh, I haven't. I mean, I've lost touch with a lot of these guys over the years only because of just moving and in, in, in retiring and getting older. But, um, I mean, he was instrumental. He's a great guy. They all treated me well. Um, uh, I was just one of the guys. I was just Sarge. That's all they called me. That was it. Just, you know, did what they told me to do and, and, and did it. Um, but that's how I got to, you know, I was roll with Forrest Griffin a couple times a week or, or roll with Frank Mir or, you know, which is terrifying, but, um, yeah. um, but, you know, and then, like I said, in, in dealing with, and then Rob Kahn and, and then, you know, a buddy of mine who's under Pedro Sauer and doing some clinics with uh, Professor Sauer Ooh. and he's a black belt, uh, under, uh, underneath Pedro. Um, so I've been just fortunate and Rob Kahn and I had, I had this one conversation once we were, I think we're at dinner or whatever, just chatting. And we realized we started martial arts about the same time. I'm, I'm a bit older than he is. Um, but, you know, started, he went, left his stuff in New York, went to, to the, uh, California, right. To train jujitsu and him and a handful of other people we've talked about were probably there at that time frame, white belts to blue belt and, and things of that nature. And, you know, if you look at him today, where he was at in, 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 in his craft of jujitsu, and, you know, I kind of made the comment of, you know, guy, I wish sometimes I just wish I would have focused on maybe one thing and stuck with it, you know, and he quickly reminded me, well, don't, don't look at it that way because you've got to train and see many things where most people don't and everything that you did see influences what you do today. So what may seem to be unorthodox to many is very orthodox in your world. Um, so yeah, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I am kind of blessed to have happened to meet people at the right time and happened to train with some of the best guys at the world at that time. And currently some of the legends that are still kind of floating around today, just by luck, friendships, you know, building bridges. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, I think I've done this, maybe this is what you're saying is like we train in all of these, ranges all of these different arts uh, for me it's judo jiu-jitsu boxing kickboxing mma you know i've i've had uh, uh, dabbled in kali and in stick fighting over the years as well and had a, a pretty significant amount of time gone to some seminars but it's like it really just made us a better martial artist like the is an embodiment of a martial artist versus like man big john's awesome at jiu-jitsu it's like well, Big John's a very well cultivated martial artist, you know, like with all of with all of the all of the stuff at play, it makes you more complete. Whereas like uh, my kickboxers in here, they get they get taken down. They're done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, and we all start, I mean, fundamentally, if you think about it, most of us have all started in martial arts because we wanted to fight or learn how to fight or be. I don't care if it's egos or whatever. I mean, there is something innate with a young man who wants to go do this and, and seeks joy in being punched or kicked in the face or smashed on the mat. And we do it day in and day out. Um, I think as we get older, your uh, the blinders are lifted and you realize that, man, you're not the toughest guy in the world. 
and what you think was tough or thought was tough isn't. Um, and I've come and I've come across many people that have humbled me over my years, um, and still get humbled often. Um, but you then start to realize that this is a life journey, and it's not just about being tough or being able to win a fight. This is a whole person journey that you don't realize until you're in the middle of it sometime. And then when you do realize it, it's your choice and what you do with it. You, you've seen guys, and I'm sure you have, that have trained, were excellent, had all the prospect in the world, and they just disappear. And why? Don't know why often, but there, there's a myriad of reasons. But we continue on, and, and it's humbling. And it's greater to be part of something that's bigger than you. Mm -hmm. yeah right so it's not about me it's our i it's about we especially if you're rooted in a, uh, any community right so that, that's to me what i find kind of enjoyable so the camaraderie of it and, and just kind of watching other people grow yeah yeah no i mean that's that's really been it like this is the this is the martial arts community that we're talking about is the yeah. unique thing yeah you know we used to be a hokey community and now all of a sudden we're all over a pay-per-view and all over the place right yeah. So. I, I just, um, you know, I'm doing, I have my first day uh, back in classes this week with, uh, at the college. And I had this girl, her name was Regan, R-I-G-A-N. I was like, you mean Hegan? Like the Machados? <laughs> right. <It's, yeah. laughs> so she, is it the Brazilian spelling or is it the, uh, yeah. Which, which, <laughs> how, do I, how do I pronounce that? So I yeah. took, you know, we're doing age of exploration discovery next week. So I did, I went full circle with the Portuguese in Brazil and everything for her. So no, that's awesome. That's well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, Big John, it's been great. Um, thanks for taking the time uh, to come on. Uh, I just thought this would be a cool conversation to have. So awesome. No, I appreciate you asking. And thank you very much. And I think what you're doing is cool. So when you get All your right, butt man. up here again, we'll see you. Yes, sir. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care, bud. Take care. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.